0: Welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiecki, bringing together today's leading experts to uncover ever-deepening spiritual truths and the latest scientific developments in support of the evolution of humankind. For more information on Mission Evolution Radio with Gwilda Wiecki, visit www.missionevolution.org. And now, here's the host of Mission Evolution, Miss Gwilda Wiecki.
1: Hello, dear friends, and welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show, where we share innovative thoughts and explore deepening truth in the support of the path to unity and enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be looking at reclaim your life, transform your future. Who are you? Seems like a simple enough question to answer, until we consider all that's standing between us and our true expression. We actually live through a false identity based on birth order, gender, race, Religion, physical appearance, marital status, education, occupation, and the expectation of others. In addition, we carry a lifetime of damage resulting in guilt, shame, coping mechanisms, defenses, and denials. All considered, our self-perception is distorted at best. How can we clear the way for our true nature to shine through? What is our potential when we are free to live from authentic soul expression Rather than using all our energy to run the aforementioned programs. So I ask again who are you, really? With us this hour to delve into the shadows of false identity is resilience expert Michelle Nagel, the author of the best selling book Suffering is Optional Step Out of Darkness into the Light, and co author of the international bestseller The Light at the End of the Funnel. Michelle has been teaching, coaching, and inspiring clients and audiences to make soul shifts that change the upward possibilities in their lives while living within their divine power and joy. Her website, isoulshift.com. Michelle, thanks for joining us on Mission Evolution. Thank you very much for inviting me, Gwelda. I'm looking forward to our time together. I think you have some pretty interesting thoughts on the subject. So let's (laughs) let's start with what is resilience? What's a resilience expert?
2: Well, a resilience expert is somebody who actually has had to go through the process themselves quite a bit, but resilience is the ability to overcome and adapt to and also prepare for the traumas that come in our lives. Most of us um, are pretty good at responding with our adrenaline rush and being able to handle the situation the moment that it happens, but then we kind of crash afterwards because we haven't built up that resilience, and resilience is kind of like a battery that we have. We have a battery backup, but we're all running on empty most of the time, because we don't take the time necessary to actually restock that, refill that, so that we have uh, strength and more resilience next time.
1: So you're talking about being proactive rather than reactive.
2: That's correct. Okay. How do you, how does one do that? Well, yeah, it it is necessary to be very mindful and I know that mindfulness is a word that it's kind of like a buzzword that we use now and everybody um, just talks about oh I have to be mindful about things but um, there's a difference between being mindful about what you're eating and being mindful about how you're interacting with human beings because we're all connected energetically and when I harm you I harm myself If I harm you, I also harm other people who are within our heart-centered radius because we're all connected.
1: How does that connection work?
2: Um, How do you harm someone
1: that I might have on my wire by harming me?
2: Because our hearts are connected. There's uh, in the HeartMath Institute in uh, Boulder Creek, California, has uh, discovered that there's actually a resonance from our hearts that uh, they can measure it between five and 20 feet. And they said, is that as far as it goes? And they said, no, that's just as far as our instruments will go. So when I'm standing close to you or I'm interacting with you, our heart uh, fields are interacting with each other. They're, They're meshing with each other. And then you will take your experience with the interaction from me which affects you energetically and then you'll move on to the next person and you know you've walked into a room i'm certain and also the listeners have walked into a room and honestly immediately known when somebody was upset and that's because we are so energetically connected with each other and the difference between you know we think if we think things out logically that's how we will interact with other people but Our head only has a radius of one foot from around our head, as opposed to the five feet from our heart. So our heart is how we interact with people.
1: If we're not in our heart, are we not privy to it, but it's still going on?
2: Uh, That's correct. It is still going on. Most of us live in our head, and that's where the ego dwells. And the ego, as Dr. Mark Atkinson calls it, is listening to Radio Me, where you will say, um, If I'm having a conversation with you and you say something to me, perhaps we're having a conversation about you come in and you say, I want to talk to you about the car. And immediately I'm going, Oh no, what have you done to the car? I like that car. You know, I've made up a whole bunch of stories that I immediately start running with, and all you wanted to talk about was how to get the sap off of the car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We
1: take it and run, don't we? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Um, you speak of um,
2: adverse childhood experiences. What are those? The adverse childhood experiences study, which is called ACEs, was done in 2000 by a, a doctor in Kaiser Permanente in Southern California. And he was doing it as an obesity study actually and he was very tired after having seen a whole bunch of people and he asked this woman a question in the survey she was part of the study and it came out wrong what he said was how old were you the first time you had sex which is not what he intended to ask her and she said five and he's going oh my gosh I must have asked that incorrectly I'm sure I didn't hear that so he came back around to that question again and she said I was five it was my daddy." Oh, and my. so then and so then he began to discover and he began deliberately asking that question of all of the people that were in this study and they discovered that the type of childhood adverse experience that they've had will directly result in the kind of health outcomes that the child will have as an adult so For example, a woman who's been sexually assaulted is 63% more likely to have uterine cancer than someone who has not. And they've discovered that heart disease and lung disease and and addictions, of course, especially, are all attached to the adverse childhood experiences that we've had when we were growing up. So you can kind of do a reverse diagnosis,
1: look at the illness, and then say what the emotional trauma might have been. Exactly. Exactly amazing yeah what happens to a child's body when they're subject
2: to uh, adverse childhood experiences well the brain of a person who has uh, this continuous stress develops differently than the brain of an individual who doesn't have that continuous stress so it has to do with the amygdala and the hippocampus which is it's our reptilian brain basically and when we are having stress it it, there's, it's like a little flap, and it kind of goes up, and it slams shut, so we're not able to think. We're not able to do anything except be in fl- fight or flight. So I live in bear country, and so if I see a bear, then, of course, my adrenaline is going to start rushing, and, but I can get away from that bear by coming inside my house. However, if that bear comes home every night from work and comes inside and lives in my house, then i'm going to continually be in a hyper vigilant state and that hypervigilance makes it so that i look at the world differently than somebody else who has not had that trauma um doesn't it also affect the the constant fight or flight affect our digestive system and everything else because of the adrenaline of course it does yes yeah. And it, yeah. and then, of course, it, it then will, when you're in that heightened and continuously heightened state, not only are you thinking differently than other people, but you're also having all of the chemical reactions that are causing your body to develop disease. And can't we be in this
1: state so long and so often that we don't even
2: recognize that we are? Oh, absolutely. There are people who are walking around who are in a constant state of PTSD, which is the hyper-vigilance, and yet they're not aware of it. What's what's the long-term effects of that? Well, your body simply cannot stay in revved up mode forever. It's gonna start breaking down, and you'll end up having relationship difficulties, um, health difficulties. It just makes your life kind of fall apart because you can't stay in that heightened state at all times. Don't we tend to project the trauma onto the world around us, the events of the world around us, and kind of rewrite what we're seeing, like you said, take the story and run? Oh, of course we do. Um, I was, I, I have a friend who does not have any adverse childhood experiences, That the study actually has a question of, had it, original 10 questions, and they've, other people have added like 15 onto them, but the original 10 questions, you could give yourself a score as to what your, um, how much Adverse childhood experiences you've had and this individual that I'm talking about had maybe a half a point if you really stretched it and thought about it but I have a score of nine which is extremely high and so when I look at the world I look at the world from the point of view of how do I stay safe because the world is not a safe place. And when they look at the world, they look at the world about, wow, this is cool. Let's embrace all of this. So sometimes it would cause problems because they would, you know, rush out headlong, which to me seemed foolish um, because they were excited to embrace life and experience all these things. We're going to have to pick up with this on the other side of a commercial
1: break. Michelle, Michelle and I will return shortly, so don't go away. You're listening to the Mission Evolution radio show coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net.
0: Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, Exone Radio TV. For more information on the Exone Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exoneradiotv.com or www.xzontvchannel.com, or simultv.com and xzbn.net.
1: back. This is the Mission Evolution radio show. We're dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. To stay abreast of all the wonderful information and tools we have to offer, visit our website, missionevolution.org. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka, and our special guest this hour is Michelle Nagel. Our website, isoulshift.com. Michelle, we were talking about how somebody that has a um, high level of PTSD from childhood trauma um, compares to one that really doesn't have a high score and how one just kind of rushes headlong (laughs) into the world embracing new things and the other one holds back. Have you also found that they tend to draw different experiences as a result
2: of what they expect from their history? Oh, absolutely. They expect only good things to happen, whereas the individual who has a high level of trauma expects to get knocked down. They expect something terrible to happen because in their history and their experience, it has. It's really a challenge to learn how to be optimistic, but that's a critical and important thing to do in order to be able to turn that around.
1: I mean, don't we even translate the actual events of our lives differently based on our worldview from our
2: trauma? Of course we do. So we've got two people that experience the same thing, and yet their experience of the same event is completely different based upon what goes on inside their head. Boy, that makes for
1: communication problems, doesn't it?
2: It certainly does, and that's why it's so important to listen with the ears that are attached to your heart as opposed to the ones that are attached to your head. Because the energy that we share in that heart field with one another speaks more clearly than the stuff that's going on in our head we can just get so messed up by being in our head
1: you know i've sure experienced that i'm kind of a heart-centered person um and we tend to take a beating sometimes for that don't get me wrong but i know when i'm talking to somebody you know people i know very well love and trust if they're in their head because they're working a problem or this or that Boy, we can hardly communicate, and yet if they're just sitting there talking to me from their heart, we don't misunderstand each other at all.
2: How can we purposefully drop into our heart to communicate with each other? Well, it's a a very easy and simple process, actually. Uh, If you take a deep breath in, and as you exhale, count down slowly to five and then you just kind of transfer your awareness from outside. So soften your eyes, which may sound really strange because we don't think that we run around with tension around our eyes, but we do. So soften your eyes. It's, a, it's an actual softening that you can feel and then put your awareness behind your eyes. Take another deep breath and another exhale, then put it to the back of your head. Take another deep breath, exhale, and then have that kind of slither down your awareness, slither down the inside of your spine down into your belly and breathe from there and then breathe up into your heart and when you just that doesn't really take very long it takes much longer to explain than it takes to do when you do that that grounds you and makes it so that you're back in your body so that the sensations that you have in your body can communicate with the sensations that the other person is having as well and it's a much clearer communication. It's where intuition comes from. It's where our discernment comes from. How, how
1: can we tell our true expression from the result of adverse childhood experiences?
2: That, I think, it requires that we, first of all, believe that, and this has to be a belief, not just a think, that everybody in the world is doing the very best that they possibly can at any given moment. And if we just cut each other that kind of slack, then that makes all the difference in the world, in our interactions with other people. You know, I've noticed that while many people may be aware of their adverse childhood experiences, there can be
1: a tendency to say, well, that's why I am the way I am, and then never change. How can we get beyond
2: that tendency? That requires the mindfulness and awareness again. You have to realize that Your life is, if your life is painful, it's painful for a reason. And it's not everybody else's fault. We have to start looking when we're unhappy, when we've got something going on in our lives. Don't look at everybody else. It's not their fault. It's your fault. It's how you are interacting with the world. So if I'm in a relationship with somebody and the relationship, I'm unhappy in the relationship, it's not their fault. They may be doing something that doesn't work well for me, but if I communicate to them that that doesn't work well, and they, um, you know, and it actually is a loving relationship, they care about the relationship as well. Then you can begin to work because our relationships take work. Everything takes work, doesn't it? You know, if if you want to live in a clean way. Yeah, everything that's worthwhile takes work, Mm -hmm. and if you if you bail because we have so many people that do that, the the buzzword is it's a toxic relationship. And so if I say, oh, I'm in a toxic relationship, the whole world will rally behind me and say, oh, then you have to get out of it. So does
1: avoidance of perceived guilt prevent many people from taking responsibility for their actions and stepping
2: out of victim and changing their lives? Yeah, it does. We just, they nobody wants to be responsible for some reason because, because then that means that, you made the choice. So if, if I do something to somebody else and don't acknowledge it, then I can say, okay, that's their fault. But if I take a look at it and I go, ooh, I really did something bad here. I should not have done that. the remorse is painful, but sometimes that's the only way that you can heal is to actually feel the pain. Otherwise, we're running from it, and that's how we get into avoidance and pointing the finger, right? Yeah, it is. And the strange thing is, is you can go from one relationship to another relationship to another relationship, and you're going to have one thing in common in every single one of those relationships, and that's you.
1: Yeah, I was saying the common denominator is you. We have a problem, right? Exactly. So let's talk about fault and blame. I mean, is there really any true place for them if we're coming
2: from authenticity? Yes, there is you can acknowledge that somebody else's choice caused the problem. But where the responsibility your responsibility comes from is how do you respond to it? So if you choose to respond instead of react, we all have the knee-jerk reaction, you know, oh, so and so did this and now I'm going to go out and, you know, smack them or whatever. But if we look at we go, wow, this person made a choice that impacted my life. And it impacted my life in a really negative way, but how am I gonna deal with that? Am I going to look for the blessings in it? Or am I going to be bitter and angry and vindictive? It's a choice. So you brought up an interesting topic there, gratitude. What part does it play in this? Gratitude is everything. Uh, In resilience, when we do the, the study in the resilience and in order to actually attain the greatest state of resilience and heart coherence where your body is at a baseline of calm, you have to have these powerful emotions like gratitude and appreciation. And when you have those two powerful emotions, then it helps you be in a state of equanimity. So even though some horrible things have happened to me in my lifetime, I can look and say, I'm grateful for the blessing or the knowledge or the skills that I have gained because of that experience. Totally transmuting, isn't it? It is. I mean, I would not have chosen those experiences for anything. I, you know, if they were on a shelf in a store, I would have avoided them. But they're the ones I got. And so if I choose to have gratitude, to, to look, sometimes you have to look really, really hard to find anything to be grateful for in, in an experience. But if you can manage it, then it will help you heal quicker from the experience.
1: You know, we've all heard of a grateful heart. Um, so I, I like the way these words kind of tell us something, you know, a deeper secret to them, these sayings. What effect does having gratitude have on the energy that we exchange through our hearts that we were talking about earlier?
2: Well, as I said, it's a it's a highly positively charged emotion, and so if we have gratitude and we interact with somebody else, it it just kind of lifts everybody up. There's actually a, a study that they're doing uh, with the HeartMath Institute that it is involving people all over the globe who do what they call a heart lock. So they go and they, they first open their own hearts with gratitude and appreciation, and then they kind of project it outward. And they're being able to find that people who are in different countries can connect with each other that way through that heart, that heart resonance. And it may sound really, really strange, but if you think about it, we're talking on the radio right now. Well, um, like years and years ago i can't remember how many years ago but i know it was a long time ago they didn't know there were such things as radio waves that doesn't mean that some day they just showed up it just means that our awareness of them wasn't there and the awareness of the way that our hearts interact with each other is a fairly new field but
1: we so how do- how are they doing these studies you know how how are they documenting it are they There's- using
2: go ahead there's a really cool piece of software that they have developed that is able to uh, track the resonance of the heart. And they do studies with humans and animals, like people and their pets. They do, they do studies where they have taken a, a cell from an individual and moved that cell into a room away from the individual. And this is just the coolest thing. So if there's a person who's in a room watching television... And their cells are somewhere else, and they have a scary event happen on the television. The cell that's in the other room will react to it as well. So we are completely connected to each other and in ways that we don't really understand. And it's just that we don't have the knowledge at this point.
1: So now it's, the voodoo dolls are starting to make sense, huh? <laughs> 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 it's time for another short pause. Michelle and I will return to our discussion on the other side of this break. You guys stay right there. This is Mission Evolution Radio Show. We're coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net.
0: Broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond. You're watching the X Zone Broadcast Network. www.xzbn.net.
3: You have heard of the X Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more.
1: Welcome back. This is the Mission Evolution radio show, bringing leading-edge information supporting the path to enlightenment. Don't miss all the wonderful things we have to offer on our website, missionevolution.org. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka, and we're speaking with Michelle Nagel. Her website, isoulshift.com. And speaking of soul shifters, I would just
2: wanted to ask you, what is a soul shifter? A soul shifter is an individual who realizes that they need to make change. And the shift is within, it's not, it's not changing your outward environment. So I've moved 54 times in my life, 55 times in my lifetime. And I used to think that a new house, a new city, a new environment, new friends, I used to think that that would make me happy. But that's not where the happiness comes from. Happiness comes from within you.
1: So was all those moves one of your traumas?
2: That sounds horrible. I was always looking for some place that I felt safe and felt at home and comfortable. And yeah, so I think that that was a result. I was always searching for something.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. How can we clear the way for our true nature to shine through? That's going to require a lot of work again. Unfortunately, there's no magic bullet for any of this stuff. I was counting on you for one. (laughs) So sorry, I'm not able to provide anybody with a magic bullet. It's, it's going to require work, but um, it's really important, first of all, being aware that there is a problem that that makes all the difference in the world. So this uh, the person that I was telling you before that I had a relationship with that was had a very low score versus my high score, once we realized that that was there, we suddenly are going, wow. Now I understand why you do the things the way you do them, because for because for them there was no trauma. For me, there was trauma. They didn't have to look for danger. I constantly looked for danger, and so if you're able to have that conversation with whoever you're in a. a, a close relationship with if you could take the Aces test and go oh wow now I understand that you're responding from a point of having high a high score and I have a lesser score or maybe we're both up there in the high score and that's why we're both so freaked out all the time it's just a, an additional way to understand more about how your personality is works and what your trauma is but knowing that, then gives you the opportunity to say, I'm done with this. I don't want to do it this way anymore. And then you can start the interpersonal work and the shifting that goes on inside when you begin to trust that God and the universe have your best interest at heart and that people are intrinsically good. So I'm, I'm real curious. I don't
1: know if you have this answer, but the ACEs test, what kind of percentages um, of, of trauma have people... Overall, experienced? What's the average score and what's the
2: range as well? Well, as I said, there's this, their original test has 10 questions on it, and each question you answer yes to gives you a score of one. So, um, if you answer in my case, I answer yes to nine of those questions. So I have a score of nine. There are, um, other tests that have been done since where they add additional things to it, such as homelessness, which has been added to the score, which wasn't done back in 2000 because it wasn't, it wasn't as big an issue for children as it is now. Mm -hmm. So there are some things, some adaptations that have had to, to go to it, um, Go ahead, so, because I think I forgot your question.
1: <laughs> that's okay. My curiosity was, it was, just say in this country or, or U.S. and Canada, what's the average um,
2: score? I don't know that they've come up with an average score. Um, I think for for my observation, I think it's pretty high. But then that could just be that that's the people that I work with, and so I see a lot of them. Um, I... I imagine that people who have a lower score probably hang out with a lot of people who have lower scores. So it's kind of has to do with your environment and who you naturally gravitate to. So yeah, I don't know that they've actually done that study. That would be an interesting, interesting
1: stat to have, you know, give us an idea of what we're dealing with out there. Because it seems to
2: me it's getting more traumatic rather than less. It is. It definitely is. Because, of course, we've got generations now of people who have suffered traumatic experiences. They go on to traumatize their children who go on to traumatize their children. Being able to actually break that pattern of abuse is really, really hard. But it is possible and it is necessary and important to do. Otherwise, we're just going to be in such a mess in a couple of more generations.
1: You know, and I've, um, spoke to some, uh, physicists and stuff that say that they're actually discovering now that, um, the trauma is altering our DNA. So even if the adult or the child is adopted elsewhere and the adult isn't present to pass down the the family line damage uh, emotionally, it's actually passed
2: on physically. Have you heard of that? Yes, I have. Uh, we can actually inherit trauma from our ancestors. So, um, if, The weird thing is, is my mother was always terrified of water. We couldn't figure out why, because water's just water. But it it just scared her so badly. And I am kind of a genealogy buff, so I was looking back, and she also was looking back, and she discovered that one of our grandmothers drowned, and her child watched her drown. And um, we figured that my mother's terror of water came through her DNA. Because if we inherit eye color then the trauma that actually changes our DNA, we can inherit that as well. Well, you know, you think of it, trauma is
1: frequency uh, and DNA is frequency. And so frequency can alter frequency. Yes. That being the case, can we heal the DNA through frequency?
2: We can. The cool thing is, is that you can actually heal your ancestors and make it so that it, it no longer goes through the DNA. So if when we make a a physical change and maintain that change, and we also make a conscious intellectual or mental change, a change in the way that we think, that shifts the DNA. And if we are able to maintain it, we can lock it into place so that it won't change the next generation. I can see it affecting our descendants, but how does it affect our ancestors? (laughs) I can't Explain the science behind that, but it seems to work. Um, I have done uh, the body code on individuals, and uh, uh, the emotion code. They have uh, it's a series of tests that you do using kinesiology, which is uh, basically the arm test, whether or not your arm stays strong or weak, and. if uh, if this through the series of questions that you ask, you are able to identify the emotion and then you're able to identify whether it's your emotion or whether it's an inherited emotion. And then you can even identify where you inherited it from. And then once that you've inherited it, then you release the energetic um, push around that. You just release the trigger and then it no longer will manifest itself in your life. So, it, it, kind of, it kind of continues forward, but by releasing it from, from back there, because I carry my grandmother's DNA. If I release it from that part of my DNA, it has kind of healed that grandparent as well. It's
1: kind of amazing the way it works, and I, I don't doubt it because I've seen it myself, but it's doggone hard to describe, isn't it? It is very difficult to describe, yeah. yes. So let's talk about mob mentality. That that relates here too, doesn't it? So if you are your heart um, um, field is in a group and the group is going south, um, that, that's
2: what causes mob mentality, isn't it? It does, and it's really sad to see that because you get people who get caught up in that who by themselves ordinarily would never do the atrocities that they do in that mob mentality. So that again, that again is, is being very conscious of who you are and staying grounded in who you are and not getting caught up in that with everybody else.
1: If more of us can do, I, I think we're living in mob mentality, quite frankly, if more of us can stay grounded in, in true heart expression, can we
2: start to shift that? We can, yes. It, it, again, it has to be a consciousness. We have to want it. We have to recognize that that the world is going south. It's going to heck in a handbasket. And um, if we want to change that, we can only do that by changing individually. I mean, we talk. I talk about people all the time and they going, our leaders need to change this. Our leaders need to change that. The leaders are not the ones who change the world. It's the individuals who change the world. And... If one person acts, one person changes the way they behave, it's going to start a ripple effect. And if we have more than one person do it, then the ripple is much bigger. And, I'm,
1: you know, there's the math that says that uh, one plus one equals a lot more than two. Uh, where, <laughs> wherever two or more are gathered in his name or in love, there, there's a lot more power there than uh, what math would say. Have you experienced that?
2: Yes, because... Love is the most powerful thing on the planet. Love and compassion and gratitude, all of those positive emotions have a tremendous positive charge and they can literally change the world. So I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday and they were asking me, um, it's kind of almost like a pre-interview because I told them I would be talking with you, and um, they were talking about, well, how do you change all of these things? Well, there are, certain, there are certain emotions that are universal or certain, I guess, morals, you would call them, that are universal, the way that we treat each other, the thing, fact that we don't kill, that we don't steal, that we don't lie, that we don't cheat. Those are things we don't do. And those are throughout all cultures. They're that way. And when we choose to love other people and treat them the way that we would like to be treated and be kind, the, the whole world will change. Well, we're going to have to talk about changing the world and I, I really want to talk
1: about changing the world, but it's going to be on the other side of another quick break. Michelle and I will be back shortly, so don't leave us now. This is the Mission Evolution radio show on the Exxon Broadcast Network. www.xzbn.net.
3: Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today.
0: Exone Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell visit www.exonradiotv.com or www.xzontvchannel.com, or simultv.com and xzbn.net.
1: This is the Mission Evolution Radio Show, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. I always love to hear from my listeners. Email me at info at and suggest a topic or a guest that's on your mind. I'm sure we'll all enjoy them. Speaking of gifted people of service to the world, our guest this hour is Michelle Nagel. Her website, isoulshift.com. Michelle, how can
2: coming back into our true expression impact our relationships? Well, as I have mentioned before, love is everything. And when you, when you function from a place of love and um, giving the other person the benefit of the doubt, then there's going to be a whole lot more peace and tranquility and um, connection in that relationship than there would be otherwise. Let's change gears a little bit here, and let's talk about dreams.
1: Um, and I don't mean the nighttime dreams. I mean our our dreams of what we would like uh, to create. Can following our dreams actually direct our healing process?
2: Yes, it can. The wonderful thing is is that if you have a dream of being healed, the desire to do so is the first step toward healing. And when you have that desire and you put that desire out there and it's something that you really truly feel, it's in your heart, not in your head, then it's something that the universe, which wants you to be happy and healthy, says, wow, okay, I will present you with the opportunities and the people and the circumstances that you need to be able to heal. It doesn't happen immediately, but it does happen.
1: That, that's the one thing I've seen. I mean, we've ascertained that a lot of us probably have quite a high score as far as the damage goes. And that leaves us kind of wondering, well, good grief, where do you start? But if you start by deciding what you really, really want to create, doesn't that then direct you and, and prioritize
2: what you deal with? Yes, it does. So if we uh, first of all, you have to you have to heal. You can't just say, well, I'm going to be a better person now and I'll work on everybody else, but I'm going to leave all that toxic sludge inside myself. Uh, It's necessary because when we have a trauma, it actually locks itself in ourselves and we will continue to be affected by it. We will continue to respond to it. So we have to do the work on ourselves. But the dream is the um, motivation. It's the the push that we need to be able to continue to go through the work because it's going to take effort.
1: So if you hold that dream, you hold the frequency of that dream in your heart, then doesn't it set up a dissonance between it and all the things in you, sludge, (laughs) that don't
2: resonate with the dream? It does. And that's the good thing, actually, because if you have that dream and you hold firm to it, then that's going to require that you change and in order to achieve our dreams we have to continue to make that internal shift to say okay this is not working for me I need to make a shift here I need to change the way I look at other people I need to give them the benefit of the doubt I need to forgive them it brings out in us the higher vibrational values
1: so uh, th- this is an interesting one. What's the difference between a wish and a dream?
2: Oh, we can wish all day long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a wish doesn't have any power because yeah. there's no uh, there's no goal behind it. There's no uh, determination behind it. A-, a wish is, you know, I wish I could fly. Well, I do wish I could fly. Um, I can't obviously physically fly. Well, I could. Go take flying lessons. I really wish I could fly, but I don't obviously wish it's not a goal for me because I haven't done anything about it yet. It's almost like coming from a victim place. Oh, I wish this would happen for me. It does. It's an opportunity for us to whine and complain and sit in our puddle. (laughs)
1: Toxic puddle, we might add, right?
2: (laughs) Yes. What do you think prevents most people from manifesting their dreams? Fear. Fear. Fear is such a huge thing, and it controls us. It has a death grip on us. Um, It makes it so that we're afraid to take a step. And God in the universe is going to be there for you. You take that step, they'll help you with the next one. But if you're not moving, they can't help. And doesn't it go back to reframing as well? We were talking about being grateful. Because when you
1: start bringing up your old trauma in order to clear the way to your dream, when it pops
2: in your face, it might look like a disadvantage, a bad thing happening. Yes, it it does. And everything that happens to us, depending on the spin that we put on it, depending on how we look at it, is going to affect whether or not we're able to attain that dream. What's the importance of changing your life and making it completely different in order to manifest your dreams? Well, usually, usually, though not often, not always the case, when we change, we try to change to become a better person, which then will change the world because we're being a better person the the easy path the really really easy path is to not make the effort to go after your dreams to change your personality to be kinder to other people it requires a conscious shift in the way you look at other people so underneath our skin we're all exactly the same color It doesn't matter. We're all the same. We all have the same emotions. We all have the same needs. We're all the same. And the wonderful thing when we put our skin back on is that we become this beautiful array of flowers in a garden. We're all unique. We all look different. Uh, We all have different personalities. And we enrich each other. There's nothing that we take away from each other if we look at it as you enrich me because you are you, because you're a valuable individual.
1: You mentioned if we're willing to completely change our lives, that nothing will stand in our way. What do you mean by
2: that? <laughs> well, I guess I need to, to rephrase it because it's not that nothing will stand in our way because there will be things that stand in our way. Some of them will be people that we love and we are in relationships with. They don't want us to change sometimes. But if it's a desire that you have to become a better person, that you desire to become more loving, more compassionate, more understanding, um, those are the higher vibrational values. And when we choose to do that and ground ourselves in presence, which is a capital P presence, then everything shifts because it has to. Our relationships will shift. The world will shift around us because it has to, because we have begun the movement, and that movement is so powerful that everything around us will change as well. You know, there's this wonderful thing that's demonstrated by sound. And if you go to a sound
1: chamber and you sound a tone at a particular volume, um, and and it, you know you measure it, and then if you sound an identical tone at the same volume, it more than doubles in volume. If, on the other hand, you sound one wave at a volume and you sound the exact opposite wave at the same volume, they totally cancel each other out. And uh, talking to you, it sounds to me like if we bring love into the world
2: in mass, it's going to start canceling out the things that are not of love. It does. And that is that is what changes the world, is the change within our hearts, our hearts connecting with other people's hearts, and then that love and appreciation and gratitude just expands and affects all the people around us so when they walk into the room then they feel love not anxiety no more mob mentality right right exactly what impact can soul shifters have on our world it starts with as i said the one individual and one person can change the way they behave behave and the way they act with other people and we can see this with something as simple as a smile So if I smile at somebody as I'm passing in the street, I may have changed their day. I don't know how I changed their day, but somehow energetically I changed their day. There are small things that we can do every single day to make the world a better place, to interact with human beings, to make them more um, so that they can feel the love and the gratitude too. And it, when you become connected to your presence, your to your heart, then you're going to get these little nudges to do things like go ahead and talk to that person or compliment that person or smile at that person. And those little things, those little tiny steps make us better because we become happier and it also makes the world better because we're spreading love and joy. So
1: by being in your heart, you can uh, read the promptings that come as a natural result of your
2: intent that you set to follow your dreams. Yes, you can. The problem with living in your head is that you don't get those promptings from your head. You may hear them sometimes in your head, but that's not where they come from. They come from your heart. And every good thing that you want to do in your life is a heart-centered thing. You may think about it in your head, but it comes from your heart. It's it's the first step then to become a soul shifter is? To become aware of your heart and to have the courage to open it up. We all have things that happen to us that have caused us pain, especially individuals who have experienced some kind of trauma in their life. But everybody has experienced some kind of trauma. I bet if I say, remember the first time that your best friend betrayed you, you're going to instantly remember that.
1: Well, you know, I'm, as always, time has absolutely flown, but now we're out of it, Michelle. I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been a real pleasure. Thank our you. guest this hour has been Michelle Nagel, resilience expert and author of the best-selling book, Suffering is Optional, Step Out of Darkness and Into the Light, and co-author of the international bestseller The Light at the End of the Funnel. Her website, isoulshift.com. Remember to join our email family to stay abreast of all the exciting new things we have coming up at missionevolution.org. This has been Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiecka on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xedbn.net Join us next time as the mission continues, bringing information, resources, and support to an evolving world.
3: free video on demand worldwide and more does this sound like tomorrow's television well it is but you can have it today right now it is simul tv simul tv offers what the others only wish they could provide fifteen exclusive channels like exxon sci-fi and horror we are worldwide no other provider offers that five hundred built-in video games no need to have an extra expensive system we have them included